Welcome to season two of the One and Done podcast, where we are dedicated to making young people successful in business early in life. We're recording today from the Rollo Insurance Studio in College Station, Texas. Let's get it started. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to episode number four, season two of the One and Done podcast. Got a special guest today, Mr. Mark Bernstein, CEO and founder of Balto. Uh, Mark, how you doing? Jackson, doing good. How are you, my friend? Doing good. We had to we had to change the recording time up a couple times. But we made time to do it, and I couldn't be more excited. Going to be another great episode with the tech industry. So, Mark, why don't you give our listeners a little background of who you are, where you come from, and where you're at now? Yeah, you got it. So, my, my name is Mark Bernstein. I'm the CEO of Balto, and we are an AI company out of St. Louis that helps sales and customer service people scale excellent conversations to everyone in the organization with a push of a button. Uh, I actually didn't grow up in St. Louis. I originally grew up in the Washington, D.C. area. You know, I was in you know, one of the suburbs that you know, was really fortunate to you know, give the kids everything. So you know, I had access to sports. I had access to you know, good education and uh, access to ambition, where I saw a lot of people in the D.C. area um, who were trying to you know, climb the ladder, right, to Washington, D.C. And uh, when I was in high school, I started a personal training company. I got my certification when I was 18. And I was really into fitness, and I said, I love doing this for myself and for my friends. Let me get a credential on this. And that was actually how I kind of got started in business, where uh, you know, I had the certification. I said, great, I'm a personal trainer, but I have nobody to train. <laughs> so I uh, picked up a couple clients in the area, uh, literally knocked on doors. And uh, you know, it was kind of slow at first, but what happened is over the course of a, a year or so, I ended up uh, building up this presence on a community listserv you know, one of those neighborhood listservs that, you know, all the parents are on. And I shot out an email and said, I'm offering personal training at $20 an hour. Is anyone interested? And uh, that's what happened. Boom. Got eight clients overnight. Uh, went to college and I built up that business while I was in, in college. I was at WashU here in St. Louis and uh, also building up uh, the personal training business called Doorstep Fitness. Uh, we ended up growing that to five trainers and uh, over 100 clients in the Washington, D.C. area. Uh, graduated, went into tech. I wanted to learn sales and advisor mind said, you know, if you're trying to start a company one day, one of the best things you can learn is sales because you're either selling to get customers, you're selling to get financing, you know, investment in your business, or you're selling to get people excited about your, your vision and bring them on board your team, but you're always selling. Uh, so I went into tech sales and then uh, fell in love. And that's, that's where I discovered the, the concept for Balto. Awesome, man. We're excited to hear you share the story. It's a great company. Uh, I've loved learning about it. And I'm sure everyone else will as well. So why don't you walk us through that a little bit? Walk us through the story of Balto, how it, how it became a company. Yeah. So uh, it came a company because I was uh, a sales representative, experienced the pain that we solve. And it's actually a, a human pain. Anyone who has conversations, period, has experienced this, where you go into a conversation and you know what you're supposed to do. Uh, maybe you had a plan of how you wanted the conversation to go, or you can even think of a breakup. Uh, we'll do that one day. Uh, you had a plan of how you wanted the conversation to go, and you maybe even got coached on it from a manager or a peer, and they said, hey, you know, when you get on your next call or you know, talking to a customer, you should do this versus that. You should make sure you ask these kind of questions. Make sure you don't talk too much. It's the number one thing, that piece of feedback that managers give their, their salespeople is don't talk too much. And one day I left my manager's office from a coaching session and I was like, whoa, I just learned so much. But I had a back-to-back -back coaching session to call right after. I left the coaching session. I got the next call. I uh, finished up the call and the, and the call, hung up the phone and thought to myself, I 
completely blew that. I was coached on that stuff 15 minutes ago on asking these questions or not talking too much, but I didn't do any of it. And the realization that we had is it's one thing to know what you're supposed to do ahead of time. It's another thing when you're live talking to a customer to actually do the things you need to do. And you know, if you look at it's hard enough for one person to do it, uh, look at what environment has a lot of people that all need to get that right. And the answer is big sales and customer service teams, uh, most often in contact centers. So I just experienced that pain and I said, man, you know, where is this pain experienced uh, the worst? And uh, we ended up kind of iterating and making a product, um, you know, from this really scrappy demo. And, uh, you know, within uh, four months of starting the company, we had gotten our first sale, one user, one month, $500, but it was, it was something. Um, and I think that that's, you know, often how I'd recommend, you know, folks, you know, try to get success early on is, you know, people kind of shoot for the stars and they have this big grand plan and that doesn't work and they get disappointed. Make a tiny plan and knock it out of the park. That's, that's how we did. And, you know, now we have 130 people, you know, over 100 customers, uh, you know, Fortune 500s and big public companies and uh, have raised over $50 million. But we didn't, that wasn't the plan on day one. The plan on day one was, you know, get a customer. Exactly. I love that. I love that. That's a great, great piece of advice. Um, talk to me about this. I usually ask about negatives and positives of industries. But yeah, being that you're a CEO, young age, right? Talk to me about what are the positives and the negatives of being an entrepreneur and being an owner w dealing with day-to-day -day problems? Uh, well, the, the positives, and I, actually, I, I want to ask you the same thing, too, um, is you get to build something. You know, if, uh, and I'll, I'll go, there's really two different roles. The founder or the owner role is different from the CEO role. You know, you can be a founder and an owner and, and be a, a CTO, you know, chief technology officer, COO, or, or chief revenue officer, CRO. You know, they don't need to necessarily be hand in hand, uh, even though a lot of people think I'm starting the company, so I'm the head honcho, exactly. but that's not necessarily the best answer. Um, but, you know, when you're, when you're a founder, you're building something, you know, you look around and, and no one can, can tell you no, no one can, can stop you, you just go and build stuff. And the most important attribute I think there is this like really big receptiveness to feedback. Feedback from customers, feedback from your co-founders that are telling you that, uh, you know, you're full of it, you know, from, you know, investors who are telling you your idea needs work. It's like being receptive to feedback. Uh, but I love building. And then, you know, as a CEO now, I think the biggest thing that I get to experience is that, you know, we have this big group of smart, passionate people, just the smartest people who are working so hard and care so much and are kind and to have that many people that I can help move in a direction and say, hey, everyone at Balto, we're going here. And to have the team in lockstep working toward that direction, it's like, you know, building the pyramids. It feels like we're building the pyramids back in the day. It's just we're doing it with technology. I love uh, it. Jackson, how has it been for you? Like, do, you know, are you do you feel like you're building every day? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, like I was telling you before this call today, right? There's crazy days and then there's great days. Uh, but I feel like every day is a building day. Some days you build a little less than others. Some days you build a little more than others. But I think one of the things that you have to look for at the end of every day is what did I do today that moved this company or my company in the right direction? Right. You have to continually be moving in the right direction, because I think one thing that, that I would love to hear more of your feedback on this when you're when you're in charge of all these moving pieces as the CEO, right? You have all these different moving pieces. There's so many times that you get focused on the one 
area that there's a problem and you forget the six or seven areas that are very, very successful. And so I think that um, one of the hardest things to do is to to see the uh, forest instead of the tree sometimes when you're in charge of everything and when all the problems roll back to you. But I think every day you got to just look at it one day at a time. I love what you said earlier. One small task, knock it out of the park every day. If, you, if you're better every day than you were the day prior, your company in a 365-day period is going to be a much better company than it was the prior year. I love that mindset. Jackson, I got a story for you, something that has inspired me for years. Um, and I hope I get all the details right. The history buff's probably going to correct me, but I'm, I know it'll be close. Abraham Lincoln, you know, during the Civil War, uh, one of his generals, I think it was Sherman, um, was known for constantly disagreeing with him and being rude and disobeying him. You know, but he was a great general, super talented. You know, the troops loved him, but he was just not a, a good guy to Abraham Lincoln. And at some point, he's having a meeting with uh, his staff and his uh, Abraham Lincoln secretary of state says, you know, sir, so, you know, when do you think you're, you're going to fire General Sherman? And Abraham Lincoln says, fire him. He wins battles. The whole idea is look at the strengths of the person, right? And, and obviously, we, should be, we shouldn't be rude. We you know, you know, shouldn't uh, cause problems for others on our team. But what Abraham do Lincoln was doing is looking, this person is here to help win battles and win the war, and that is what the person is doing. And I think we need to look at our own strengths and lean in our own strengths, look at our organization's strengths, lean in our organization's strengths, and not get distracted by the fires that are going to pop up in everyday life and in business. Absolutely. I want to come back to this discussion. I want to come back to talking about you being CEO, the challenges and the, the benefits and all that. But uh, for the next few minutes, let's talk about Balto. Okay. You mentioned AI company, tech company. Talk about what you guys actually do, kind of some of the, the, the uniqueness to you in your industry, some competitors, maybe some things you do differently than them. Uh, and just give the people a background of, of what it actually means to build a tech company. Yeah. So what we built is a technology that analyzes sales and customer service conversations in real time, live while they're actually happening. And while you're sitting there talking to a customer, we'll, give you, we'll hear the conversation and give you recommendations on how you can be as effective as possible. So the customer on the other end of the phone says, you know, uh, you know hey, I really like what you have, but you know, it's just too expensive for me. Balto is going to hear that and say, oh, customer thinks it's too expensive. Here's some questions you can ask. Here's some different talking points. Here's your pricing table. Pop that up right there automatically. Um, so that's actually the big difference is real time, real time, real time. You know, the way that most speech is done, speech analytics and speech AI, is post-call. Call's done. You upload it to the cloud. And then, you, you know, you have a call recording that's saved. And you can kind of go and click through the call and listen to it. But the call's done. You lost it. Customer said it's too expensive, you fumbled, you, you didn't handle it, and the customer's gone. So how can you make sure that you're closing that gap between knowing what you should do ahead of time and actually doing it live while you need to do it? And if you have hundreds or thousands of people in your sales or customer so service org, you know, which is uh, you know, Balto's target, sales and customer service organizations, if you have hundreds or thousands of people, how do you get everybody doing the right stuff? Like imagine something new happens in your industry. There's a new law or some bad press. And what do you do? Do you, do you ask everyone to stand up in a room and say, hey, folks, hey, here's how we're dealing with this. Here, here's how you talk to customers. No, they send out an email and it gets ignored. But we actually make it so right there in real time, the things that they need to do to effectively communicate with their customers, they have right there in front of them. And that is totally unique in our industry. 
Yeah, absolutely. I mean, being in, in two sales industries, myself, wealth management and insurance, we're not huge in the call center space. We're a lot more of like the retail boutique agency. Talk to me about what your platform is going to look like going forward for people outside the call centers. And I guess before you answer that, talk about why you chose the call centers to begin with. Yeah. So the call center, high volume, I mean, there's a lot of them, of sales and customer service calls that are make or break. If it goes well, then you get dollars in the bank and happy customers and new leads and referrals. If it doesn't go well, you have compliance problems or regulatory problems, or they you know shout you out on Twitter and tell everyone how bad of a job you did. It's a make or break conversation and often is directly tied to revenue right? Where you're buying something, you're returning something, you're getting service, or there's a potential for you to buy something else. Um, and, and then you pair that with the fact that, you know, in the call center world, a lot of folks are pretty entry level. They're new, you know, they haven't had a ton of like professional training experience. So you have these, these folks who, you know, are handling tens of thousands of dollars of customer calls every single day, right? Let's imagine that your customer's worth a thousand bucks, just kind of clean and easy. And then imagine you take 30 calls a day, you're handling $30,000 worth of customers every day with often, you know, very little background and only four weeks of training. So uh, those folks need as much help and as much guidance, as much training, as much coaching as we can give them. So, you know, we went to that market first because it's the biggest pain, highest volume of important conversations. Uh, but then you ask the question, you know, where are people having important conversations across the world, period. And I'll tell you, Jackson, one of my dreams is one day, I would love to have Balto for 911 dispatchers, right? I'd love to have it that it's picking up, you know, emergencies and saying, here's the right protocol, here's the questions to ask, right there automatically. Um, so you can imagine a world, This it's really about the synthesis of people and AI. It's happening. You know, we're seeing, you know, us and machines get closer and closer. If anyone is watching the news with Meta and how, you know, we're going to have this, you know, mixed 2D, 3D reality if Mark Zuckerberg, you know, can fulfill their dream. And I think he will. I think it's inevitable. Um, so we're seeing this melding between people and technology. And, you know, meanwhile, we've all thought that technology is either going to replace us or it's something we use. And it's like, what if it's something we partner with? And that's now becoming possible. Is the technology being capable of something and it contributes something, people being capable of something else and we contribute something else and partnering on that. And we see that being applicable uh, and something that Balto wants to, to bring to the world is this partnership between people and machines. It's awesome. I mean, I love talking to you about it because you're so passionate about it, right? It's your product. It's your, your baby. You're, you founded it. Um, and I, I think that the, the idea behind what you're doing, right? You had a problem. Uh, literally working in a call center when you figured this out, you had a problem and you found a great solution for it. You now have a company, you know, like I said, $50 million worth of funding, 130 people working for you. It's a great success story. So I want to talk to you a little more today than I would normal guess because of your, your rank and your status about, you know, being CEO, being in charge of these companies. Where does Balto go from here? Are you going to add other services and technologies to it? Are you still finding other problems and solutions to, to, to fix? Uh, what's going on with that? Yeah. So first of all, the market is just massive, right? There's 15 million people who work in contact centers, taking sales calls or customer service calls across the world. 15 million. We charge roughly, let's say 1500 bucks per year per person, right? 
So look at that market um, and look at all, and there's you know 60,000 call centers in the United States approximately. So it's about go to market, it's about taking the technology we've built and delivering it to as many people as possible. And if you're gonna do that, you're gonna attract competitors. We need to make sure that we can build better and build faster than any of our competitors. So we can't get complacent on the product. We need to be thinking about the next evolution of, we call it real-time guidance, you know, real-time guidance from an AI guiding people and helping them be effective, what the next evolution looks like. And then, of course, in order to do that, we're going to need more people and more capital. So you know, we're not going to you know, level out at 130 people and crews. Uh, we're trying to build a multi-billion dollar company. And uh, you can't do that if you, uh, you know, take breaks. So, Mark, I mean, that's that's awesome, right? We, we know about Balto now. We know what it's done. But I think more important than the company is the person behind it. That's you, right? So I want to know more about your story. Tell me more about what you did, kind of the characteristics you grew up you grew up with that, that helped you develop such an important company to the future of technology. Three things just came to mind. Uh, the first is, is my dad. You know, it was silly when it felt silly when he said it when we were growing up. But I, I really take it to heart now. He would say, whenever I would do any sporting event, I did a whole bunch of sports, wasn't very good at any of them, but I did them. And he'd say, whenever you're getting toward the end of a game or a race, he said, sprint over the finish line. Always sprint over the finish line, meaning complete what you do at as much intensity as you have, You know, pour everything out on the field, drain the gas tank, whatever it is, get it all out. Um, and... I think that that's something that, I, that I, I've carried with me as well. And I think a lot of times we get toward the end of something and we're tired and we kind of let it trickle off and I, I try to sprint over the finish line. The second thing I think about is, you know, I did crew uh, rowing in Washington, D.C. And one of the really interesting things about rowing is it's a real mental effort. It's a lot of like physical pain trying to, you know, stand through five or six minutes of going as fast as you can. And the way you get through it is by breaking it up into different segments. So you think about the first 500 meters of the race, and the first 500 meters are are the sprint and settle, right? You sprint to try to get off, uh, you know, get as fast of a start as you can, then you settle into your rhythm. The next 500 meters are the rhythm section, and that's where you try to stay consistent. The third 500 meters is the ramping back up to try to go for the final sprint, and then the last 500 meters is sprinting across the finish line. You kind of break it into segments. And you even do something that they call power tens. Well, you'll do a, you know, 10 strokes as hard as you can. And you put power tens all throughout your race to try to give yourself like this boost of momentum, boost of energy, and to take another spot above the boat next to you. And I think that that concept of breaking up any challenge into blocks and into power tens, like I think about that now all the time. Uh, the third thing, big thing that came to mind is, you know, when I was in college, um, I spent a lot of time doing like, introspection. And I think it's really hard to do now, especially with you know, so many electronics and technology and uh, so many distractions with COVID and how crazy the world is. It's hard to like, take time by yourself, sit, put on a candle, and like, write about what you're thinking and who, and who you want to be in this world. I took a lot of time doing that in college, and I feel like uh, when I got out, um, I had a clearer head than, uh, than I had really realized I, I would have. And I was able to have discipline and routines and goals. Um, and just taking time to clear your head and figure out what do you believe in is really important. So I don't know, I think those things really helped me get a really fast start. So the second I was out of college, you know, I, I kind of had gotten 
through a bunch of the junk that young people you know go through and was was had my eye on the prize and ready to do something big i think i think everything you said there is, is gonna flow perfectly with what the entire theme of this podcast has been so far which is learn from people who are more successful than yourself find mentors learn from them you mentioned that with your dad you know critical thinking that's that's exactly what you're talking about breaking up into the power tens i love it um as we finish the episode today talk to me just a little bit about advice that you would give young people in order to find their industry their career and their passion early on in life and how to separate themselves from the pack try a lot of things be realistic about what you are good at and what you're not and it's okay to fail and i know that that that's like kind of a trite piece of advice but i mean it i mean like go try something don't worry about whether you're going to be good at it or not just try it and you know do it for a few months don't just do it once or twice and be like eh, i'm no good at that because there's a learning curve for everything do it for a few months and then you'll start getting that positive feedback where you say hey i'm growing i'm getting better i'm so much better than i was i am learning new things uh, but I think often people don't try enough stuff, or if they do, they just try it once or once or twice, you know? Like that's how I got in, into, you know, working out, and that's how I got into personal training, and then I ended up, you know, doing powerlifting, and then I ended up doing sales, and then I ended up doing technology, and then I ended up starting a company. It's just trying a whole bunch of stuff. So I think that that, that you know, that persistence and that open, openness to experience and lack of fear of failure is like one of the most important things. Yeah. I couldn't agree with you more. I think sometimes people don't allow themselves enough time in, in something that they're trying in order to fail. And then even bigger than that is if you don't give yourself a big enough window to test and to go back over and to analyze, you're not even going to be able to fix it. For instance, if it's something in your company that you want to do better, maybe you want to communicate better. Well, you're going to have to build some type of process, communicate that, figure out the flaws in it, go through it long enough where you can figure out if it works or if it doesn't work. And I guarantee the answer is going to be somewhere in between, right? It's never going to be the best solution ever the first time. You're going to upgrade it. You're going to innovate it. You're going to add to it. And then you're going to try that again. But you got to give yourself enough time. I think patience is something hard for people who are younger, right? We're used to technology, the information age, everything's right at our fingertips. But a lot of good things take time. They take patience. You got to work on them. And there's a balance to that between time and patience and also going out and achieving and being, uh, you know, very successful early by working hard and, and, you know, getting ahead of people. So, Mark, we really appreciate you joining the show today. I really appreciate you uh, taking the time. I know you're busy running a company. 130 people is not easy, but it was great having you on the show today. We look forward to having you back in the future. Jackson, my pleasure. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening to the podcast today. Be sure to rate our podcast and leave a review. Also, make sure to check us out on LinkedIn, Instagram, and Facebook at One and Done Podcast.